0: Amen. If you have a Bible, if you turn to Proverbs chapter 2, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you. And if you don't have one at home, feel free to grab one on the way out. Uh, They're on the table uh, back to my right. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, Pastor Phil mentioned an event coming up called the Focus Living Conference. This is a great opportunity for us as a church to just come together um, and receive some really powerful teaching about uh, goal setting and about uh, having purpose in our lives uh, Tommy Eccles is a really good guy. He's coming in from Syracuse, and he's been doing this a long time. has a lot of experience coaching and uh, teaching, so it is a great experience. Um, so hopefully you can join us for that. If you like to join us for that, you can sign up online on our website or through Facebook. Uh, we need to have a number of people know how many people are going to be coming, so make sure you sign up ahead of time. Uh, If you don't have access to a computer, uh, talk to me, or Pastor Phil, and we'll get you signed up uh, apart from that. So Proverbs chapter 2, starting at verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your ear to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures... Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Well, in the summertime, my computer started doing some really weird things, like when I would be... Uh, I have a trackpad for the mouse and it would just kind of randomly click on things or right click on things. And then it would be clicking on them, then I'd be dragging them around the computer. And so first, uh, I kind of just tried to deal with it and it seemed like it was getting worse. So I did everything that I could that I would know to fix it. So I called uh, Apple Support and talked to a couple different people and they suggested some things like resetting the RAM and uh, they walked me through a couple different tests and steps uh, in that regard. They couldn't find out what was wrong, so they sent me to the Apple Store. So I go to the Apple Store. Um, They couldn't find anything wrong. They said, maybe it's a software issue, so if you back up all of your uh, stuff, then we'll try to reinstall the operating system. Uh, The problem was I couldn't get my computer to back the stuff up. uh, So they couldn't install the operating system without losing all of my stuff. So I decided I was going to take my computer to kind of a third-party repair shop. And I took it there and they did a scan of the keyboard and the hard drive and the trackpad and the initial scan said everything was just fine. But they said, you just leave it with us and we'll do a deeper scan and uh, we'll let you know if we find anything wrong. Well, a couple days later they call me and they say, it turns out the trackpad actually is bad and we can replace it for $200. And so I'm debating, do I wanna put $200 into this computer or should I get a new computer? Ultimately I decided, okay, go for it, put the trackpad in. So I get it back, it seems to be working fine, but then after a while it starts to do some of that weird stuff again. The, with the problems with clicking and right-clicking on things that I didn't click on. So, I, I again, I dealt with it for a while, and then I called the shop, and I was like, uh, is there any kind of warranty on your service? And they said, yes, there's 90 days, 90-day warranty. It turned out I called on day, like, 93. <laughs> so I, I'm like, well, so now what do I do? I put $200 into this computer. Should I buy another computer or didn't really want to do that, because if I did that, I would have to put out the money for a new computer. But also, my Bible software that I use every week wouldn't be compatible on a new computer. So I'd have to get new software, which would be very expensive. So I decided I was going to do one last try to try to fix it. So I was just kind of messing around with my computer, and I go into settings. And I find, under the trackpad settings, this little checkbox that says tap Uh, or click when you tap. That's weird. And it turned out this setting would make it so that if you were using the trackpad and if you put your finger down in a certain spot or with a certain strength, then it would click on that item. I unchecked it and my computer worked fine after that. Now, I don't know if that was the whole issue. There might have been other issues related to that, so I don't know if the trackpad was really bad or not. But I think about all these people that I talked to. I talked to, I think, two people from Apple Support, two people at the Apple Store. Then I talked to two people at this repair shop, and nobody, to my knowledge, even suggested that I change this setting. I mean, they had all this knowledge and all this equipment and all these diagnostic tests they could run, but they didn't suggest something simple, just changing a setting. They had a lot of knowledge, but they didn't know how to use that knowledge. In short, they didn't have wisdom. And Last week we talked about kind of building a foundation on the Word of God and reading the Word of God, and we talked about studying the Catechism, and today we're considering the question, how do we make our knowledge useful? How do we not only become filled with knowledge, but also be filled with wisdom? Because we know that knowledge is not enough. You know, you look at the Bible, and look at the Gospels. The people who knew the most in the Gospels were often the people that were farthest from Jesus. The people who made the most foolish decisions. The scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They knew the most, but they didn't know how to apply it to their lives. Likewise, we've probably met people in our lives who knew the Word of God inside and out, and yet they made very foolish decisions. Or maybe were not nice people to be around. And so we're talking about how do we develop wisdom in our hearts. Now, we have to first define wisdom, and I think this passage helps us define wisdom. Uh, Wisdom is used in various different settings, in various different ways in Scripture, so it's hard to kind of put a firm handle on wisdom, but I'm going to try to define wisdom as it's described in this passage. According to this passage, wisdom involves fearing the Lord and knowing the right thing to do in each situation. Wisdom involves fearing the Lord and knowing the right thing to do in each situation. So in this passage that we're looking at today, Solomon tells us that if we do certain things, the result will be that we have wisdom. And he tells us in verse 5 that if we do certain things, we will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And then in verse 9 he says that we'll understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. And so that's where I come up with the, came up with this definition of wisdom. It involves fearing the Lord and knowing the right or the righteous thing to do in each situation. And that's what we need to strive for as believers. Uh, Jason Pierre, in an article in Table Talk magazine, notes that fighter, fighter pilots are governed what, by what is called trained instincts. He writes, that's how fighter pilots can react immediately to rapidly changing situations as they operate 27 million dollar war machines. When a threat aircraft is closing in, there's no time for pilots to reason through what to do. They have to rely on instinct, but not just natural instinct, they need instincts shaped deep within them through years of regimen. The countless little decisions they make in the cockpit are automatic, but that doesn't mean they're involuntary. The pilot... Voluntarily trained for them, and in the cockpit he reaps the instinctive benefits of that training. So gaining a heart that's full of wisdom is kind of like that. It's about kind of gaining trained instincts. Training our hearts so that we know what to do in specific situations. Because there's many situations in our life that are not necessarily directly addressed in Scripture. whether it's due to technology or just the change in the way that we live life today, there's many different issues that aren't directly addressed. But if we have a heart of wisdom, if we have these trained instincts that are trained by the Word of God and formed by the Word of God, we'll be able to fear God, to trust God, and to make the right decisions in specific situations. So how do we get that wisdom? How does God's Word become useful in our lives? In the passage that we're looking at today, Solomon gives us four things. Now, if you're following along in your notes, we're going to get back to there. There's a main idea at the top. We're going to get to that at the end. So we're dropping down just so you're not confused by that. So, four things he tells us. He tells us first that we need to receive God's Word. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. And that's really the heart of what we talked about last week. If we're going to have a heart of wisdom, we need to be exposed to God's word. We need to have a steady diet of God's word. If we're not feeding our hearts and our minds with the word of God, then we're never going to become wise. In the Old Testament, in the book of Deuteronomy, after uh, the people of Israel were were given the law, they were commanded to make the law a significant part of their lives. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9, it says this, And these words that I command you today... Shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Word of God for the Israelites was not something they just kind of referenced here and there. It was something that was an ever-present part of who they were. They believed that it was so important to read and to hear God's Word that they would even put it around their house. They put it everywhere, so they were constantly thinking about and reflecting upon the Word of God. And the same thing is true for us. We need to make the scriptures a significant part of our lives. And there's a number of different resources that we have to do that. We have more resources today than anybody in the history of the universe has had. I mean, we, last week I gave, we gave some uh, Bible reading plans. There's some Bible reading plans online. Dozens and dozens and dozens of different plans that you can check out. If you didn't get one last week, there's some on the table in the back. We talked about the catechism and learning God's Word through the catechism. If you need one of those books, we still have some books left. I mean, You can listen to God's Word on your phone or on your computer. You can listen to sermons based on God's Word. There's special Bibles, there's one-year Bibles, devotional Bibles. We have so many different resources available. And yet the only thing that we don't seem to have is time. But if we're going to become wise, we need to make the time to do the hard work that's necessary to become people of wisdom. So Solomon says that we need to receive God's word. Second, he he tells us that we need to listen to God's word. In verse 2, it says, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. And we're talking about listening here we're talking about a heart attitude and what approach we have to reading God's Word. And the truth is, we can approach the reading of God's Word in many different ways. Uh, some of us, maybe we approach Scripture like a historian. It's about knowing what happened. We read the stories of the Bible and we think of them as things that happened to people in the past. They're, sometimes they're interesting, sometimes they're boring, but they don't really have that much impact on what we are doing here today. And so we read it as a historian. Some approach Scripture like a scientist. We test everything in the Scripture. We don't trust it, we test it. We test every passage of Scripture to say, does this line up with my life? Do I really believe this? And those things that we do believe, we accept, and those things that we say, we don't believe, we just put by the wayside. It's like one of our founding fathers, I think it was Thomas Jefferson, was said to, have went through the Bible and picked out the things that he believed. And he went through the whole Bible and he cut out the things that he didn't believe and there was only three pages left at the end, according to the legend. We can approach Scripture like a lawyer. Now, lawyers are about preparing cases, about being ready to argue a case in court. Lawyers are not primarily interested in truth for truth's sake. They're interested in supporting whoever it is they're representing. And so if we approach scripture like a a lawyer, we kind of approach scripture to support our case. If we want to do something, we find scriptures to support that. If we don't want to do something, we find scriptures that would tell us that we don't need to do those things. If we feel uncomfortable, we will just put those scriptures by the wayside if it doesn't support what we're trying to do. We can approach scripture like a commentator. We have various opinions and thoughts related to the Scriptures, and we read through them. We keep asking ourselves, so what do I think about this passage? We can approach Scripture like we're going to a counselor, like we're a counselee. As we read Scripture, the question that we keep asking ourselves is, how do I feel about this? What passages of Scripture make me feel good about myself? And so then maybe we gravitate towards passages that make us feel warm and fuzzy inside and those things that challenge us we put by the wayside. We can approach Scripture like a prisoner. We feel bad about what we've done and how we don't measure up to God's standards and so we read God's Word because in so doing we kind of make up for our wrongs or so we think. We can approach Scripture like a humanitarian. We read the Bible to learn what other people need. What the world needs. And so as we're reading scripture, we think to ourselves, oh, if only my spouse would hear this. If only my spouse would read this. If only my coworker, a coworker who is difficult would listen to this. If only my friend would listen to this. And we read the Bible as if it's meant for somebody else. Or meant for just the world in general and not for us. All these approaches to reading Scripture are wrong, or at least very incomplete. God calls us to approach His Word as students, as disciples. The passage shows us that we need to be attentive to wisdom, to incline our hearts to understanding, to be open to hearing what God has to say. To approaching with this mindset of asking ourselves, what is God saying and how can I be obedient to it? Reading all different parts of Scripture. Last week we looked at Second Timothy 3.16, which says that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful. All Scripture. We don't just pick out parts that we like, that support our views, or that make us feel good about ourselves. All of it is useful. And when we approach God's Word, we're to have open hearts and open minds to hear what God has to say for, to us. And after we hear what He says to us, we need to be willing to obey what He says to us. It's almost like long distance lovers sending letters to one another who pay attention to every word that's written. That's the kind of mindset and heart that we're supposed to have when we read God's word. So Solomon says to receive God's word, he tells us to listen to God's word, and then he tells us to ask for wisdom. He says, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, in verse 3. See, wisdom isn't something that's automatic. It's not like you go through certain things in your life and automatically you become wise. It's not even that you can read Scripture to a certain extent that you become wise. There's more to it than that. It's not simply the result of getting older. A person that's old does not necessarily mean that he or she is wise. In 1969, Woody Allen uh, directed his first film, Uh, And that film was called uh, Take the Money and Run. And it was a highly acclaimed film. And throughout the next three decades, he became known as one of the most famous and uh, creative and comedic filmmakers of the 20th century. Then in 1992, his personal life kind of started to crumble. And it was discovered that he had been having an affair uh, with the daughter of his longtime girlfriend, Mia Farrow. And uh, while he was sixty years old, she was only twenty two at the time uh, she ended up, He ended up breaking up with Mia Pharaoh and having this prolonged custody battle about uh, the other children and He ended up marrying pharaoh 's daughter, who was twenty two uh, and her name was Sunni Pravin then in two thousand and five. In a 2005 interview with Vanity Fair, Alan admitted that he had made some mistakes in his life. He said, I'm sure there are things that I might have done differently. Probably in retrospect, I should have bowed out of that relationship with Pharaoh much earlier than I did. But though Alan was about to turn 70 at that time, he admitted that he hadn't gained any wisdom over time. He said this, I've gained no wisdom, no insight, no mellowing. I would make all the same mistakes again today. Now, becoming old or growing through certain experiences doesn't necessarily mean we become wise. I mean, it can help when we go through the storms of life and come through on the other side. It can help us become wise, but ultimately, wisdom is something that comes from God. In verse 6, Solomon says, "...for the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding." Remember the reason that Solomon had such wisdom. It was because he asked God. Solomon became king and the Lord asked him, So what shall I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Name anything. And Solomon said, I want you to make me wise. And God did. And that's why he wrote uh, the book of Proverbs and the other writings that he wrote. Because of the wisdom that God gave him. Without the Holy Spirit's work in our life, the scriptures, the Bible, is just letters on a page. Without the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts, the experiences and hardships that we go through in our life are just experiences. They mean nothing. But God can take those experiences. He can take our study of the scripture, our reading of the scripture, the experiences that God puts us through, and He can make us wise through those things. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So we receive God's word, we listen to God's word, we ask God for wisdom, and then the last thing Solomon tells us is that we are to seek wisdom. He says, if you seek it like silver, and search for it as a hidden treasure. It's interesting that he would say that, because... He just says that you have to ask of God. You have to request wisdom. So it's in one sense it's something we have to request, and it's a gift of God. But it's also something we have to work on, that we need to put effort into, that we need to seek. I don't know if uh, how many of you have seen the television show "The Curse of Oak Island." Um, but in case you're unfamiliar with the story, um, there's this island in Nova Scotia, and it's off the, co- or off the coast of Nova Scotia. And there's many different theories about treasures that are buried on this island. Uh, some people believe that Blackbeard buried his uh, treasure there. Some people believe that there was a treasure from the Knights Templar. And there's all different various theories about treasures that are buried on Oak Island. And they've found different artifacts and different things. They've never found any treasures, but found, you know, some stuff there. They found a big shaft uh, that they, you know, it's like a treasure shaft, potentially. And so these two brothers named Marty and Rick Lagina uh, own part of this island. They purchased part of this island, and they are professional treasure hunters, And so they have all this complex drilling equipment and sonar and cameras and they've sent divers down in there and the show just kind of chronicles their search for this buried treasure. And uh, I don't regularly watch the show, but the times that I've watched the show, I see all this equipment that costs probably thousands or maybe even millions of dollars and I think to myself, is the treasure even worth it? I mean, how how great must this treasure be if they're going to spend millions of dollars to bring in equipment and if they're going to give up all this time and energy to try to find it? How great must this treasure be? And yet they're determined to find this treasure. They're determined to do anything to spend all this money to find this treasure. What if we had that same mindset to the pursuit of wisdom? What if when we were seeking God's will and we were facing a crisis in our life, it wasn't that we just opened God's word and read one Bible verse, but we spent the whole day praying and fasting, or the whole evening praying and fasting. What if we did the hard work of memorizing scripture, memorizing the catechism, doing the hard work of teaching our children to do those things, going over it with them again and again and again. See, God could grant us wisdom automatically. It happens occasionally, but often He teaches us to have a heart of wisdom through the experiences that we have in our life and through the reading of God's Word. Uh, Storyteller Megan McKenna captures our reluctance to kind of act on the things of God in a story, a parable that she tells. And I've adapted it a little bit, but the story is essentially the same. It's about a woman who wanted peace on earth and in her own heart, but she was frustrated. She saw the world falling apart around her. She would read the newspaper and she would get depressed at all the things that were happening in the world. And uh, one day she decided that she was going to go shopping. And so she entered into the mall and then just kind of entered into a store at random. And as she entered into the, the doors of the store, she saw Jesus behind the counter. And she knew it was Jesus because he looked the same as he looked in any of the pictures that she had seen growing up. But then she kind of finally uh, worked up the courage and she asked him just to make sure, Are you Jesus? He said, Yes, I'm Jesus. She says, Do you work here? He says, No, I don't work here. I own this store. Jesus says to her, What do you want? She said, I don't know. Well, Jesus said, well, feel free to walk up and down the aisles, make a list of everything that you want, and then we'll see what we can do at the end. So she walks down the the aisles, and she sees all these things that she desired. She saw the end of poverty, the end of hunger, peace on earth, no more war, peace in families, no more drugs, harmony, clean air, careful use of resources, wisdom, knowledge. She wrote furiously all the things that she wanted. By the time she got back to the counter, she had a long list. And Jesus took the list, skimmed through it, and looked up and smiled at her and said, no problem. I can help you out with this. And then he bent down behind the counter and picked out all sorts of things. He stood up and he laid some packets on the counter. She asked, what are these? Jesus replied, they're seed packets. This is a catalog store. She said, you mean I don't get these things? I don't get the finished product here? Jesus said, no, this is a place of possibilities, of dreams. You come and see what it looks like, and I give you the seeds. You plant the seeds, you water the seeds, you nurture them, and I help them grow into everything that they're meant to be. Oh, she said. And then she left the store without buying anything. I think sometimes we have the same mindset in regard to the pursuit of wisdom or self-discipline or whatever it may be. We want the end result, but we don't want to do the hard work to get there. We want to be wise, but we don't want to do what it takes to become wise. And so Solomon calls us to seek wisdom as someone would seek a treasure because it's valuable, because it's worthwhile. It's going to change the direction of our lives. But we must remember one last thing as we're seeking wisdom. When we're seeking wisdom, we're not seeking an abstract idea. We're not seeking simply knowledge. We're seeking a person, and that person is Christ. In the scriptures, a number of places, Christ is equated as being the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians one to 27-30, and redemption Jesus became for us the righteousness of God, the wisdom of God. Colossians two, one to three likewise says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those who are at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all of the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the treasure that we're seeking. He's the wisdom of God. He's the one who shows us what it's like to be wise. He's the one who shows us what it's like to fear God, to know God, and to make the right decision in each situation. He's the one who shows us what wisdom is all about. He's the centerpiece of God's plan. He, his plan that's revealed in Christ is so great that the angels long to look into it. He is the wisdom of God. He's the one that the Scriptures point to. So if we're going to seek wisdom, ultimately we're seeking Christ. And if we want to be filled with wisdom, we need to be filled with Christ. Christ. Because that's who the scriptures point to as the embodiment of wisdom. If we want to be people who are filled with wisdom, we need to be filled with Christ. So how do we get there? How do we be filled with Christ? We do that by receiving God's word. Listening to God's word. Asking God for wisdom. And seeking wisdom. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, as your wisdom, the one who taught us what it looks like to fear God, to obey God, to do what's right and righteous in every situation. We thank you that you choose the foolish things to shame the wise. We thank you that even though we were lost without you, in your infinite wisdom you brought us back to the Father. Lord, we pray and we ask that you would grant us wisdom as a people. You say wisdom is a gift. It only can come through you. And we ask you, Lord, for wisdom. Lord, I pray that we would all do the things that are necessary to gain wisdom. That we would receive your word. That we would make the time for you, to hear from you. That we would incline our hearts to know what you want from us. To listen to what you have to say. Not coming to the scriptures with an agenda, but coming to hear your voice and hear your heart, ready, being ready to obey you. And Lord, we pray that we would seek you and seek your heart like people seek a treasure. Because we know that you are a treasure and we know that you are worth everything. There's no cost that's too great in following you. Lord, give us the strength to do that through your Holy Spirit today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.